Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to another episode of Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santo, joined, as always, by the Shawn Michaels to my Triple H. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, I'm just jamming out over here to some sweet chin music. And our very own, that's right, X-Pac. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, what was tag teaming with Kane like? Interesting and gross because X-Pog is disgusting. However, at least I don't have tic-tac nipples like you, Nathan, and I'm not cross-eyed like you, Kevin. So, I can't even tell what Kevin's looking at right okay, now. Okay, one, two, right. three, kid. <laughs> so, that blew my mind when you told me that. All right, let's talk a, Let's talk Seahawks news. The Seahawks, pick, Seahawks did what they always do before the draft, which is pick up uh, veteran depth at the positions they're about to draft. That's what smart teams do. Yep. So we got, so they've signed Cash and Sparks to a one year deal. He was cut. Will not affect the one week uh, after we made fun of him on this very he's podcast. Certainly depth. He is. Yeah. He got five and a half sacks last year and five hundred and fifty snaps. Not like a great rate, but solid. It, it, a player you can put into a rotation and will be you know above league average. Yeah. Same with Nate Orchard, the other signing. Like uh, he is a person who can come in, fill snaps, and not like embarrass himself. Okay, Eric Russell Wilson wants his deal done by April fifteenth. Gotta know. Do you think the deal gets done? I just I have to know what your opinion on this is. No, I think it's going to be like the 18th or something. I believe there's going to be like a three-day grace period. It won't happen right on the 15th, but shortly after. So and like I believe it's going to be fine. In honor of tax day, they're going to file for an extension? More or less, hearing? Kevin. Exactly. I, I really am of the opinion that the, the, the thing that is dividing the Seahawks and Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson, I think, wants the Kirk Cousins contract. And the Seahawks want to give him seven years, $214 million, uh, with a hundred million in guarantees, yeah, they want to give yeah. him the Aaron Rodgers deal, and he wants the Kirk Cousins deal. Yeah, and and I understand why Russ wants the Kirk Cousins deal because then he gets to go back to free agency in three years as long as he stays healthy and gets another huge contract. It's so it's it's really a battle of it's kind of a who blinks first thing because thirty three is the new twenty nine for quarterbacks. Yeah, I I mean seriously, he's going to play for te- for seven more years. Well, what we want to do is give him a. A team-friendly deal, but can't we just restructure with more money and help out in like three or four years? Would that be something we can do? If they extend it out, and long he's just enough, scared of that. Not if they extend it out long enough, at the last like three or four years, they'll have options of what to do if he's like hurt or ineffective for some reason. Uh, the big thing though is accuracy is a trait that tends to sustain with quarterbacks. He has a skill set when you, if you ignore the mobility piece, he has a skill set that tends to age really well. So I think Russell Wilson, by the time we record this podcast again, will be the highest paid player in NFL history and will um, and will be here. I'm going to go with the long contract. I think they're going to talk him into the long contract. I think we'll be the Seahawks will get him to agree to a like 200 and some million dollar seven year deal. You got that Alaska money. You got that whatever shoe deal money. He got the Sierra money. Just cool it, Russ. I think that. What, it, what they can do to convince him is say, here's a contract that has the most guarantees ever and the most total money ever. It's like, and the most APY ever. Like, it's the most everything, right? Yeah. And even though it's longer than he would like, he can. that's easy to justify to himself and in the, in the players' union and to just go, yeah, we, we killed it. We got the most everything. This is the best contract anyone's ever got, ever. Yeah, I think there's that. And I also think they might be able to talk him into the cap hit situation. And be like, hey, look, it'll make the cap hit like this, which will allow us to pick up those pieces to help support you. Another thing too is mm-hmm. that let's say he let's say the contracts get because Russ wants another ring. Let's say the contracts get wild at the end of the at the deal too. I mean, you can always hold out and restructure. I think players have proven that. So, and Russ would have a pretty strong uh, holdout case. Looking if, forward to Russ collecting that Bobby Bonilla money. Yeah. Well, all right. <laughs> yeah, I think he, he might get the Drew Brees treatment at the end, right? Where he's just like, here's a dummy year that, where you just get $20 million for doing nothing. 
Uh, okay, Baldwin. Baldwin had, a, had another surgery. Uh, lots of people are saying that uh, Baldwin now may be ready for the start of the season. Maybe not. Maybe just like will never be the same because hernia surgeries are very difficult to come back from. Kevin, uh, what what do you, how do you feel about Doug Baldwin's future as it stands today? Uh, Doug Baldwin is a shifty, precise route runner. Um, he doesn't rely on top end speed, and so that makes him a little more injury proof than maybe some other receivers are i'm less worried about him than i was about tyler lockett uh for some of those reasons coming off of a injury but i mean i do think that it forces us to think about the wide receiver position a little differently um maybe it becomes a slightly bigger priority this offseason just to get a guy who can be that plus number three receiver in case he needs to be our number two Okay, Eric, um, yeah. what, are, what are, how are you feeling about Doug's future as it stands today? Pretty much exactly how Kevin put it. I think the days of him playing 16 games are over. He's a 9-10 to 10 game a season guy, and that may be only for two more seasons. Or maybe he's 15 games, but just not every single snap, because that dude rolled up the snaps for he did. years. He did. It's because he's so reliable. I think the Seahawks are, have been on top of this. They've probably known about this for a while, and they've probably thought that this is more of a wide receiver draft than, you know, how we've just kind of caught on the last few weeks. Uh, it's probably higher on the draft board as, you know, time has gone on. Well, and as you find more picks in the draft, it'll be easier to make a wide receiver happen. Yeah. I, nice I segue, Kevin. Um, all right. NFL uh, news for this week was uh, fairly, fairly uh, light, in my opinion. Uh, I'm not, like, crazy about it. Uh Blake Bortles, rest in peace. Uh, Colin Coward hates and Baker Mayfield are beefing. Um, I don't know. That's that's basically it. No, nope. mm-hmm. Colin Coward is attacking somebody more talented and likable than him. That's weird. Jordan, did you hear Jordy Nelson? He was like, if Aaron Rodgers called me on the phone right now and told me to come back, I'd have a hard time saying no. Yep. Yeah, that was hurtful. I like I like that, but that means the Packers didn't even ask him to come back for like a veteran minimum. That's mm-hmm. depressing. That's kind of a screw up on their part, I think. Yeah. Uh, bigger news that we did gloss over: new Jets uniforms. They look pretty sharp. Back to you, Nathan. Really? You thought those looked sharp? Uh, I just like the fact that they went back to the green helmet it, I with think, the Jets I think logo putting, on there. Putting a, a city name on the front of the jersey makes you look like a like a high school football. Let team. me let me re re say what I said because whenever I say jerseys, I just mean helmet. <laughs> All about the helmet. <laughs> the helmet looks really good. I agree. with that. I like their superhero costume. It looks fine. Uh, I think that it looks like what someone in 1987 thinks the future looks like. And that that's is, both good and bad. That is exactly what I think too, My, Kevin, and that's why I love it. One, one thing I, I <laughs> like it's I futures hate. night, like the old baseball. They, uniforms. they shined up the '88 uniforms. <laughs> this is the team that was the bad guys at the end of any given Sunday. Like it, that's what it looks like. That's what those uniforms look like to me. Like it's they're not good in my opinion. I think they're really mediocre. At, yeah. I'm surprised Nate that you're put out in the here Twitter supporting. hate for you. I, 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 I was predicted, anticipating you roasting. Yeah, him. I thought you would roast these uniforms. So, do you want to hear the tweet that I wrote? I'd love Eric? to. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I have said, I have our account on our phone too. I just haven't been on it. He yeah. was uh, he was embodying I put, you. I put Eric is in shambles right now. Quote: <laughs> This looks like the villain team in a bad football movie. <laughs> You went ahead and spoke for me, and I was like, I like it. I think they're really great. They're wholesome. They're almost just, shiny green. I almost just posted that gif like, this This one, this ain't it, chief. You know, like, it's just, I don't know. <laughs> wow. I'm not a big fan, dude. Uh, you know what? I think I was just so sick of the uh, Vinny Testaverde, uh, so, so you know, uh, my question was gonna, jerseys. My uniform-related question, I actually had one. It was going to be, what did you like better, Le'Veon Bell's rap or the Jets uniform? So for Ooh. you, it's obviously Jets uniform. Well, for I mean, me, let's, after poof. hearing that rap, it's... 
It's, it's bad. It's any. It's Blake Bortles uniforms. Oh man, um, that rap's pretty bad. My favorite tweet about that rap was the person who said the auto tune was like his offensive line in Pittsburgh doing all the work. <laughs> yeah, or, there, there was so there was so many good tweets in response to that. Um, the guy was oh. like, because he put fire or garbage can, and someone put the the fire emoji in, in a gif. They put the fire emoji going into a garbage can, and then like started roasting like trash <laughs> fire. Um, it's like they they people were just roasting him, and he's like, everyone was like, this better be an April Fool's joke. Because he released it on April Fool's. Um, <laughs> I think that that was the smartest move he did about that rap was relating it was putting on April Fool's. Like, he could always be like, oh, it was just for fun, dog. Yeah, dog. Okay. <laughs> I have a statistic for you guys. I just wanted you to know. Um, the Bills get a lot of criticism, but the Bills have dominated the Super Bowl area era. Are you ready? Bill Belichick has six Super Bowls. Bill Walsh has three Super Bowls. Bill Parcells, two. Bill Cower, one. <laughs> Bill, Brian Billick, one. That's 13 Bills Super Bowls. Yep, the Bills are the greatest team of all time, Eric. Don't at me. All right, let's uh, the get Bills to- <laughs> have four Super Bowls. They just haven't won any. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so I'm um I'm in here. I'm uh we today. So last week we did the no trades draft, the very unrealistic scenario in which the Seahawks decide we're not going to make any trades. We're going to keep our four picks this week. We're all going to kind of we're going to like do a little choose your own adventure. We're all going to come up with some realistic draft trades. Um, I use the the 2019 version of the Jimmy Johnson valuation model to to build my trades. Um, there's other valuation models you could try to use. Yeah, out there. I used a modified version of that based on um, uh, some. GM trades that have happened in the last five yeah, years. That's what this they one kind of updated a little bit. That's what this I one think is you like and I too. use the same one. Um, yeah, it's it's a, it's um it's Rich Hill made like a revised version based on modern. Yeah, that's trades. the one I use. Oh, How okay. did you guys go? Did you go with what you kind of hope, what you kind of think, or a mix of both? So I I really tried to lean into like teams that I thought might actually make these trades. So um, I can explain why as we do it. Do you want? Do you want me to go first and uh, explain? For the record, I did the I did the exact same thing. Yeah. Was these are teams that I think would make the trade. There's a logic behind it, and it's also they're trades that compared to because what I did was I made a spreadsheet with every draft trade in the last two years, and then uh, caught which teams uh, have been trading up and which teams only tend to trade back. And tried to pattern that, plus looking at which teams have extra draft assets. Because yeah. the more assets that's, you have, the more likely you're. Yeah. That's, that's the big thing I looked at was that like what teams have extra draft assets. Another thing I thought about was what teams are like one player away or very close to being good. Like what what team might see T.J. Hawkinson fall to twenty one and go that guy is the guy who will push our team over the top. Let's trade up and go get him before Pittsburgh picks him at 22. Yeah, or like... So, something like that. That's What kinda... positions might have a run around 20 where a team might go up to get a guy who's going to be part of a run? Yeah. So, okay, here's my here's my first trade. You ready? Yep. I traded with the Chargers. Um, the Chargers have all seven of their picks, and I do that they fit the definition of, like, a team I think is very close that would maybe be th- feeling like, hey, we just need one guy. We have a lot of good young players on great contracts. We're close. So I have the us trading 21 to the Chargers for 28, 91, and 200. Okay. Okay, that's my first trade. So that netted us two picks. Now we're up to six picks. Um, at that point, I went with a team that has a ton of draft picks. Uh, the Giants have 12 draft picks. So so the Giants seem like a team that would be in a, at least be in a position trade-up. Now, the Giants need a ton of dudes, so maybe they won't. But I think going from... But their GM's also bad. Going from 12, to 10, 12 to 10 picks is not a big deal. So um, I... Traded 28 and 200 that I just got in the Chargers trade. Um, I gave, gave those up for 37, 108, 143, and 180, which actually is like a value give for the Seahawks. We gave like 10 points. But I think that the Giants would have a hard time just trading four picks for two picks. Plus so. or minus 10 points 
are pretty common swings when you start looking at trades. The, People usually don't give up more than ten points, and usually don't get more than yeah, ten. So points. I, I gave a, I gave like like nine to do that one, and I I think I got like six in the Chargers trade. So I mean, on net, we're basically even, and I ended up with. 37, which is the sixth pick of, or fifth pick of the second round, 84, 91, 108, 124, 143, 159, and 180. So eight draft picks, which seems very Seahawks, and uh, none of them are in the first round, which also seems very Seahawks. So that's where I landed. Um, Kevin, what'd you do? Uh, I came up with two different models that seem kind of likely. Uh, the first one is um, the Seahawks trade back with uh, the Colts moving from 21 back to 26 and they pick up uh round three pick 89 in that trade so that's a one for two pickup and the points on that are really really even so i looked at indianapolis for a long time and like because they have two second round picks too and i was like maybe we trade back to 34 but then i like had to have indianapolis give up too much of their draft and then yeah, so I, I, I can totally see it, though. Indianapolis has a couple extra picks. Yeah, because we we'd be picking up about eight points there. But um, I could see if there's a position that they're really looking at. Uh, they need help in the secondary. So if corners are going at that time, or maybe if the wide receiver they want is still there, uh, if they value DK Metcalf or something, um, and he's there longer than they think he will be, uh, that could make sense to me. Okay. And then in that scenario... Um, I have us then trading back a second time, as we so like to do, uh, dealing round one pick 26. And this is if one of those tight ends is there, um, if Hawkinson falls really hard or depending on who it is. Noah Fant or something. Dealing back with New England. Okay. Uh, picking up round one pick 32, round three pick 97, and round six pick 205. So we would end up with round one pick 32. Round three, pick 84, round three, pick 89, round three, pick 97, round four, pick 124, round five, pick 159, and round six, pick 205. So that's England, one scenario. New England has shown they're willing to trade up to get their guy, too. They did it last year. Right? Yeah. So. That's the other thing. It could also be for a pass rusher there because there's a couple pass rushers who might slip. And those are the two things that they'll trade up for is probably a pass rusher or a tight end. Uh, premium premium secondary pieces, too, if, there's, yeah. if, the, if one happens to be there. And then the other scenario I could see happening, which gets us a lot of like cluster mid-round picks, uh, Kansas City has traded up a lot recently. So I could see us trading back to 29. KC was one of my faves, so I'm with you on this. So we would have to give up our... If we traded a first and a fourth um, to Kansas City, we could pick up round one, pick 29, and round two, pick 63. And then that gives us a lot of trade capital. And then I and uh, and also uh, we end up picking... And then we would trade back again with Oakland. Oh. I. Uh, Trading round one pick 29 for round two pick 35. And then we could pick up round two pick 35, round four pick 106 to get a fourth rounder back. And round seven pick 218, which we'd probably use to like move around in a round real quick. Mm-hmm. Seventh round picks are really good if you want to just like move up two spots in round four or something. Um, that's Nathan and I have a very similar philosophy, which is round six and seven picks are like full on dartboard. Basically, this is a UDFA. You just want to guarantee makes your roster. So, um, I, I, we don't value those tremendously. There's a reason I ended up with the latest pick I have is the very beginning of round six. Um, cause I just don't care about having round seven. picks. So I have, so we end up with two round twos, a round three, a round four, a round five and a round seven that we may or may not keep. And I could see us like. Maybe we trade back again with uh, Denver, 
who has a lot of like later round capital and trade that like end of round two pick for a beginning around three pick and around four pick, something like that. All those things could kind of happen. But I see us kind of clustering somewhere between like the very end of round one and round three, trying to get like three or four picks in there. Yeah, I think that like middle to end of round three and beginning of round four is like where we're going to end up with a bunch of picks. Yeah, uh, I can totally agree with that. Um, another thing about the Giants trade that I made, I just want to say they have 142 and 143. And I'm like thinking as a GM, I was like, if I had both those picks, I would try to trade one of those picks, but the second one. So, yep. that, so that if my guy's so there, get I, guy. I, I get my guy. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like, like yes. they, they, they're not going to get my guy. I get I have the I have the first pick. right. And there. that's the same logic I used with uh, New England there is they have those three picks in the third. And because uh, they have a compensatory and one they picked up in a trade. And it's like I could see them dealing one of those. So I'm do like the middle one because value made sense on that. Okay. So now we both made our trades. Eric, did you do a trades? Uh, yeah, I did trades. I didn't I didn't go too deep in what how it would happen in the sense of like what other teams would pick up. And I didn't do a double trade. So I chose that the Chiefs would want to move up to 21. Okay. They'd oh, trade their... It's it's funny we all went three different teams because I thought Raiders I thought Giants I thought Colts I was like looking at all these uh, so I thought they would trade up uh, grab our twenty one they'd give us twenty nine they give us their round two pick which is sixty one sixty three sixty I think it's sixty one sixty three either way uh, what's the difference in two picks the world and uh, a round five pick which is one sixty seven. Okay. So okay. from there that would give us from there okay I was looking should I give should I do another trade. I don't really value, like Nathan said, the sixth, seventh round picks. I don't want to see us trade like our third round pick for another fifth and like two sixths. That would really tick me off. So I just stopped with what I wanted to That's see. That's also not a trade we historically have done. Yeah. Like that doesn't fit what Seattle likes to do. Seattle tends to really value like rounds three to five a lot. Exactly. And then six and seven, so those are just like up, bonus kickers. Picking up a five is good, but getting rid of the third to do uh, it didn't make sense. And one more thing, another really great trade partner that I think we could have made a trade with was Green Bay. Um, going yep. from 21 to 30, and Green Bay has a lot a lot of extra picks. I could see them being like, here's a first and a third. I really like that trade partner too. I just couldn't find a trade that made sense to me yeah. completely. And I, yeah. I looked at their... They would have to like kind of over-trade us a little bit, but if the right guy's there, like if Hawkinson falls and they're like... Oh man, that tight end's perfect in our system. Even though we never use our tight end, right? The, no matter I what tight end we going, get, I guess he's doing something like get their first and their third for our first and our, and our fifth, and then using that to kind of like, okay, now we can get give up this first round pick for a second and a, a fourth. Or I don't like that though because I don't want to give up two for two, and I also I don't see the Packers going after. There's value a player in, in a sense that they're going to give up moving, so much for you're us. You're moving know? up from fifth to third round though on the other pick. Like it's a big. That's a big jump. Uh, um, two years ago, um, the result wasn't great because uh, what happened with McDo- uh, with uh, um, the defensive end out of uh, yeah, Mich- McDowell. McDowell. Uh, what happened with he can McDowell, play now, dude? The doctor said. Um, thanks. <laughs> And by play, I'm me. glad. I'm glad Dr. Nick Riviera signed off didn't, on that didn't, one. Didn't uh, didn't the Pete's, that chiropractor it, must have been really down for it? Wasn't Pete's response like, "What doctor was that, Dr. Phil?" It, it was something mm. like that. I think Schneider had a very similar, but less uh, less snarky, but kind of just a snarky. Oh no, response. it was Dr. Drew. That's it. What doctor was that, Dr. Drew? I did not hear that. Um, That's pretty good. But uh, I, <laughs> yeah, um, but. What we did in that one was we traded back, I believe it was with Green Bay, and then we traded back again with San Francisco into the second round, and then we traded back one more pick with Jacksonville 
and just swapped like literally one spot. And we ended up trading back three times. So we went from like end like middle of round uh, one to beginning of round two, but picked up a bunch of draft assets. I could see exactly that pattern, and that's kind of the thought pattern I went with. For I think we all kind of fit that trade pattern, where it was like, yeah, we might move back two or three times with that first pick in order to roll up like a couple round three, four, five guys. I kept six picks just because six picks is enough picks without getting a couple guys that are automatic cuts. Well, and I also just don't want to start getting ridiculous in like... Exactly. Like, this is not Madden. I don't want to make 97 trades, even though in my head I look forward to it. It'll be cool if one of us... Nails a couple draft picks or a couple actual <laughs> trades, right. but chances so, are so we're going to be filling way the spot. Out. This right. is the type of player we want. I'm going to kind of speed through uh, my picks and just give like a one sentence uh, reason why I think that it'd be a good fit on the Seahawks, and then just why I like them, kind of kind of thing, and then just roll through. Um, all these players I think could realistically be available at this point, but some of them might get drafted higher, some of them might get drafted lower. You just never know, right? It's hard to do it outside of the moment. Um, I think like mock drafting is a really weird exercise because there's so many things that can happen. And, and if change. you hit on like fifteen percent, you're good. Yeah, if you if you like if you could predict like twenty five out of thirty two of the first round picks, you're like you're a god. You're awesome. Like you're really good at that. So um I mean, it's just, it's just difficult to do. And it's just, it's always, there's always guys that fall and you don't know why exactly, you know, they had a good combine, but maybe they interview really poorly, you know, or maybe, there's medicals that you don't know about right. and they that comes out after the draft kind of knee injury. You just don't know. You just never know. And it's, it's hard to do. So, okay, here we go. Um, Dexter Lawrence is my first pick at 37. I like him because he's a really strong interior defensive lineman with a good, with a actual pass rush ability. Um, I think it'd be a really great fit next to Jaron would anchor the interior of our line for the next billion years. Um, <laughs> Uh, Andy Isabella at 84 was my pick. I think he might fall because he has a he's a five foot eight outside wide receiver. And even myself, my first evaluation with him was like this is never going to work at NFL level. But the more he does, the more I watch, the more I like. And uh, I think that you know Pete's willing to take a chance on guys who have um, you know different uh, different you know like just Russell unexpected skill sets. Russell Wilson's a short quarterback, but he tried it anyway. I think that same thing might happen with Isabella and wide receiver might be targeted because. Um, you know, Doug's health. We talked about it earlier. Lonnie Johnson at 91. It's a cornerback that the Seahawks have shown interest in throughout the process. I'm not a huge fan, uh, but I do think at some point they are going to go for a corner. I took Michael Dieter, the guard from Wisconsin at 108. Um, interior, I think another interior lineman would be a great add. I think that, um, the future for, uh, LSU guard center that Ethan we draft, Posich. Ethan Posich is at center, not at guard. And, we need up, to start that pick, transition soon. We need to start that transition now and get that underway. The future is um, not Because I don't think that in five years from now, I would be surprised if Postage is a guard. So Dieter would be a nice filler to start developing a backup guard. And also, we're going to have injuries at guard. We, we, we have two very injury-prone guards as our starting guards. It's going to happen. We need depth there. Uh, I picked Marquise Blair at 124. Um, he's a safety. Uh, he's okay. Um, I'm not crazy about him, but it's 124. It feels like the right spot. Um, he had a decent combine. He's tape at Utah is like, it's it's like a guy who, um, he's he's pretty good, but not, nothing special. Like nothing. He never pops off the tape. You're never like Whoa. he's a special teams, and he could maybe adequately fill in at both safety right. spots. I think he could just be like a he's a nice depth guy. Um, uh, picked an offensive tackle. I use Opeta out of Weber State. He's like a, a combine monster. He had like the best measurables 
but he's completely untested at any high level. And the, yeah, if you watch him at Weber State, he clearly dominates everyone, yeah. but it is Weber State. Yeah, you just don't know. You have no idea what you're getting there, but at 143, bringing in a project tackle seems like Eric Weber State in this Weber State is in the state of I Utah. 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 Yeah, well, Utah. I it's in the, the state of Weber. Um, okay, it's the, it's the uh, Weber. everyone knows the Weber State. It's the fifty first. It's like state. Jehovah. It's uh, the Jewish spelling. <laughs> of I took a I Utah. took a defensive end that the Seahawks have shown interest in Ben Benogu at one fifty nine. Um, he was from TCU. He's a project, but he ha- has pretty good. I think he could be like a good, he also could go like in round two. Yeah, he's off the charts athletic, but he's super raw. Um, and then at one eighty eight, my last pick of the draft, I went went back to wide receiver and took my boy. Little Jordan Humphrey, king of the contested catch. <laughs> yep, that's right. You knew I would do it. Everyone knew. Little Jordan, he is going to end up in a Seahawks uniform. If he doesn't, I will cry. Um, that's right. Large Jordan Humphrey. Dude, if little, little Jordan Humphrey in the Big slot. Joe. In the slot. I'm into it. I'm so into it. Dude, I'm like, I, mean, I don't care if he ran a slow 40. Keenan Allen ran a slow 40 at the Combine, too. And Keenan Allen's really good. I'm not saying Lil Jordan Humphrey is Keenan Allen, but in my heart he is. But also when you when you watch Lil Jordan Humphrey, um, He's you see dominant. him running away from defensive backs on film. Yeah, he plays up his speed. So yeah, forty times are only one measuring stick. Like you always got to go back to the film. How's he so, play? So Kevin, if that was our draft, if if, if I All right, give me that again, like okay. a quick run. So Dexter Lawrence, Andy Isabella, Lonnie Johnson, Michael Dieter, Marquise Blair, Ayusu Opeta, Ben Bonogu, Will Jordan Humphrey. If the Seahawks finish their draft, what would you? How would you feel at the end of that draft? Uh, I would feel really good about the way that we address defensive line and wide receiver. Um, my only concern would be I don't love the way we address defensive back, but I feel like I feel like you're basically have to pick two things. Do you want to address the offense? Do you want to address the the front seven? Or do you want to address the defensive backs? And you're only going to be able to do two of those really well. And I feel like the two you picked to do well, you did well. I completely agree. Like, I I took flyers in secondary because I just, I that's where I was picking. Because I could see Blair being nothing Mm -hmm. very easily. I think uh, Lonnie Johnson has a good shot at being something, though. Um, But he probably will take a year or two to do it. Which, I mean, in the mid-rounds, that's a thing thing that happens. All right. Kevin? I know you came up with uh, so you what picks did you end up uh, just actually just say your players your short answers and then what pick it was yep Let, let's so, uh, see what uh, Kevin's draft looked like end of round one slash beginning of round two um, I'm looking for uh, there's one of two things and this is a conversation I want to have with you real quick okay so I feel like we both feel the same about Seattle which is with uh, the pressure we put on a single high safety that position is dire to our defensive success. Would you agree? I think it's important, yes. Do you feel like Brad McDougald can play that position adequately, or do you feel like he's a box safety only? When Earl was out of the lineup, our pass defense was a lot worse, so I don't would not feel great about playing a ton of single high safety with Brad. He was at his best when he played next to Earl. So you think that he's more of like a cover two, cover three safety, so then, or he can be like a box safety and slot cover? Yeah, so then Tedrick's our, our single high safety, which is... He's fine. He's fine. He's like, um, he's a little slower than I would like him to be. He to does be not doing. cover a ton of ground. We'd have to probably do a lot more too high safety work. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So for that reason, because it's what our defense needs, um, if Greedy Williams is sitting there at the end of round one, I feel like Greedy Williams is the only true playmaker lockdown corner in this entire draft. He's so good. If he's sitting there, I'd, I'd pick him at 21 if he's sitting there. But if he's not sitting there, 
or uh, but I, if he's sitting there like late one, if the off the field um, people question is uh, like how much he wants to play, if that all works out, man, I'm taking him. It's so weird. Like I don't get it. Like they just they. You, because the second half of the year he stunk because he gave up on a team that wasn't going to make the playoffs anymore. Right. So he doesn't. He didn't want to play for a bad team and hurt himself on a on a mediocre LSU team that he wasn't getting paid to play on. Yep. I mean that's okay. That's that makes sense. He's protecting his career. But he doesn't love football like we want him to love football. You cannot love it's football. A Mike gonna, it's a job. I mean, at the end of the day, like it'd be cool if you loved your job and you were super into it. And there are guys where they could have been better basketball, like players, athletes. Let's John Hansen is an example, the Milwaukee Bucks center. He just walked away from basketball because he doesn't like it. But like at the end of the day, you just have to like it enough. Yep. <laughs> and if Gre- Greedy Williams is a is a superlative athlete. Yep. So um, Greedy Williams is who I'm taking, but I don't think he's going to be there. So I'm then hoping. I want either Nazir Adderley or Juan Thornhill okay. because those are the two guys in this draft. There's three dudes I think can play single high safety in this draft and two that I think are ideal for it. And that's Juan Thornhill and Nazir Adderley. And I would love to have either one of them. Okay. Um, if that's not an option, then I want either Chase Winovich or Clelin Farrell. Because we need either a disruptive pass rusher or a, someone who can play single high safety. Because I feel like those two protect what we do. Okay, Kevin, I've not even waiting for this opportunity what, to, to talk to shit about Deontay Thompson on the podcast. So let's hear it. I'm ready because he he is projected as a single high safety. Are, are you are you super ready? Uh huh. Okay. Get I wanna, ready, I get ready the for the report. shock of your life. I'm ready. I'm ready for the scouting report. Uh, Nazir. Uh, so uh, Deontay Thompson. Deontay Thompson. I watched a. Did you watch the Pro Football Focus film room about him? Uh, I watched the Pro Football Focus film room. I liked that video. Um, I thought I it watched, explained very well the pros and cons. I watched <laughs> about four games worth of game tape because. Um, the biggest thing that made me worried about him was I feel like every game tape I watched was a completely different experience. Uh-huh. Um, inconsistent is a very good word to describe. He's him. extremely inconsistent. Uh, he got injured, so we don't have any of his run times. We mm-hmm. don't know his 40. We don't know his shuttle. We Correct. don't know his three cone, which means we don't know how much of it is him being fast at reading the play. But not fast he, on his feet because he's is, really fast at reading. That is what excites me about him the most is he diagnoses the play really quickly and he can cover a ton of ground and like he's make, sudden and then all of a sudden he's like involved in a play that he probably most people wouldn't be most people wouldn't be there involved in the play. Um, there are there are worrying things about his, his tackling though. sucks. Ta- his tackling is trash, dude. I'm not his tackling sucks. But if we picked him at like a hundred and eight. Or like ninety something. Uh, I would take him at the end of round three, beginning of round four. If yeah. he's sitting there at the end of round three, beginning of round four, he is he's the guy I would want who it's, could play single high. It's like a, it's like a it's kind of a dart because you know he could be nothing. But he, I think at the very least, he would be a really good gunner on special teams if we can oh. teach him how to tackle. Oh, because the thing about this tackling is weird too, because he'll just take like a horrible. He just tries angle. to grab your ankle every time, or the angles will be so bad. Like he'll just wash himself out of a play that yep. he totally should make, and he totally can make because you see the way he covers, and then the way he covers the coverage stuff is so good, and then the the angles on like a run a open field tackle are so bad. It's like yep. those are similar skills, dude. You you sh- you can do the same thing. Yeah, if we if we whiff on Nazir Adderley and Juan Thornhill, I would be a big fan of coming back. Uh, like at the end of round three. Um, so like if we have that pick from New England or something, or if we have that. Is there any other safeties that you think like could be like project guys like other than Thompson who like um, maybe could be like round three or round, round three, four? round four, like actual single high guys? Is like um, I feel like Martin Darnell Tell. Savage has the speed. Okay. 
but I don't know if he has the instincts and coverage to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Marvell Tell out of USC. Yeah, that's the guy I was thinking. Marvell Tell has the speed. Uh, he just doesn't play with the strength you want. Okay. Like his play strength is really bad. Um, yeah, Marvell tells the other guy, and then uh, a complete dart, complete wild card is Zedrick Woods out of Ole Miss. Um, he has every measurable that tells you that he could do it, and nothing on his tape. Huh. Weird. His, uh, he is um, one of the f- quickest, fastest, and most sudden safeties in this entire draft. And I think part of it is Ole Miss sucks at coaching people up. And if you look at their defensive players who come into the NFL, they it usually takes them a little time. Yeah. Um, they need to be coached up. I feel like uh, Ole Miss recruited much better than they coached. And they were like, we're going to be really talented. And then they were. But so maybe if we pick up a guy like Zedrick Woods, he's just clay. And there's going to be a lot of bad habits we have to coach him out of. But his his ceiling is really high. His floor is never plays and gets cut. So we yeah. so we so you've identified safety is very important, and we kind of gone over some safeties. So you let's say you get Chauncey Chauncey Gardner Johnson as your first pick, and you're you're well Chauncey Gardner Johnson I think is not a single high safety. Oh, so you okay? Who do you I want Warren Thornhill or okay. Nasir Adderley? Let's say you get Nasir Adderley. Okay, then you're you're on to your next. What's your next pick? So, uh, we'd be looking at probably either a. So possibly an end of round two pick could okay. happen here. Uh, if we had a pick at the end of round two, um, we already have our safety. I think that's where we have to address probably defensive end. Okay. Um, Ooh, you're it's pick- either defensive end or corner. And so if it's defensive end, I'm looking at Zach Allen out of Boston College who put everything together on tape. But the way he tested, he might not get the love he deserves. Zach or Allen's Anthony so, Nelson out of Iowa. Zach Allen's so good. Like, I love watching him play football. He only has one move. It is a bull rush. Yeah, but he's good. really good at it. It's good at He's good. Be good at a thing. That's, like, one of my, my, uh, my like, philosophies is, like, I like guys who are good at a thing. It's kind of why I like Deontay Thompson when I was evaluating him because I'm like, this guy breaks up passes. Like, he gets into pass plays. He's yep. good at a thing. He's disruptive in the back end. And, like, Zach Allen's the same thing. He will overpower uh, subpar tackles all day. He'll just, he'll just overpower them. Yep. He will make them their lives miserable. Yep. Now, there are certain ta- tackles who will, he will be ineffective against, but at least he has a thing. And he also can set the edge. Like, he is strong. He can set an edge. Mm-hmm. So, that's a thing. So, he might be like a base end and might not provide a ton of pass rush upside, um, which we could address with something a little bit later, and I'll talk about that. I mean, he's a, he would be very good on first and second down, bare minimum, even if, like, we hardly ever use him on pass downs. And I feel like Anthony Nelson is basically the same player. Okay. So whichever one of those two we get, we're getting a guy who can handle the run, can set the edge, and might provide some upside as a pure power pass rusher. I'm putting you down for Zach Allen. Who's your, who's your next? Where are you picking next? Now? So if we're picking in the third round, um, let's say we have our pick in the third round. So that's 84. Mm-hmm. I, so kept, I kept that one as well. We have got it. Yeah, we need to. Um, unless we just like slide back a little bit as part of something else. Uh, so... Where we have a defensive end, we have a safety. I'm going off script a little bit. Uh, there's two dudes I love here. Mm-hmm. I want either a disruptive three tech who can give the pass rush we might not get out of defensive end. Or I want that corner. So corner, I'm looking at um, Lonnie Johnson, who you already covered. So I'm going to talk about a guy who I think is the same player. And that's Justin Lane out of Michigan State. 
uh, converted wide receiver, very long, has the ability to be a press man corner, um, wasn't asked to play zone a lot, but has every desirable trait we want in the zone outside corner. Or the exact opposite, David Long out of Michigan, who is the Justin Coleman replacement. I feel like he actually can play outside, which Coleman wasn't very good at. But uh, I think David Long is the second best, well, he's probably the third best corner in this draft behind Byron Murphy and Greedy Williams. It's just that I don't think he's the kind of player that we pick up. So I like those guys at corner, or I like Gerald Willis out of Miami at defensive tackle, who's a super disruptive uh, three-tech D-tackle. All right. I'm going to give you Justin Lane. That just I just picked the, a cornerback, though. Okay. okay. Justin Lane at corner. So we have a safety. We have a D-end. We have a corner. Now your next and pick And we have is another third-round pick. So this is a late three. So you ended up with uh, a, a beginning of second, end of second, and two-thirds. How did uh, you? Well, I end up with a either three-thirds or a second and a third. Oh, okay. Depending so on the scenario. Let's do this. Let's do this one as your your second and a third. So okay. now you're now you're So into... then now we're in uh early round four. Yeah. So early round four. I was like, how did you end up with so many more no, picks? That'd be than really me? good. Uh, I'm just a really I'm really good at trading. I was like, dang, dude, Kevin's um, like a fucking wizard. <laughs> I was like getting so excited. I was like, how did you do this? I want to do these trades. They seem better than the ones I did. Uh so we are sitting at the beginning of round four, and we have addressed uh you, yeah, safety you... corner. D and D and you should have like a fourth, a fifth and a, a sixth or something like that. Yeah, basically. Um, so I think, so you have a safety, a corner, a D end and a D tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want a wide receiver and an offensive. Wait, wait, lineman. you have a safety, a D end and a corner. Yeah. Sorry. A safety, a D end and a corner. So you need, if you want a D tackle, you better go get one. Yeah. <laughs> Because I think it D tackle is weird in this draft where it's really good for quite some time and then it just like disappears. All right, I have a three it tech drop. that we're going to pick up at the beginning of fifth round. Drops. So I'm going to go with my uh, wide receiver right now. I'm picking Miles Boykin All out right. of Notre Dame. Sweet. Um, super athletic. He might go way earlier because he tested so well at the combine, but his tape doesn't look good. But that's mostly because the quarterbacks that we're throwing to him were terrible. So uh, he's just kind of like, he's an outside receiver who has a lot of the skills that our current receivers don't. Um, Then I'm coming back for Daniel Wise, three-tech D-tackle out of Kansas, who has a good first step, um, doesn't really have pass rush moves, but has the athleticism to put it together and has the footwork to make it work. And then my final pick of the draft. last pick. Somewhere probably in late round five, early round six, um, I want to pick up a guard because of exactly what you said. We have two injury-prone guards, and in my opinion, we have zero backup guards. So I'm looking at Alex Bars out of Notre Dame, who's a guy who's coming off of injury but doesn't have an injury history in college. Uh, I would want either Alex Bars or Ben Powers out of Oklahoma. I'm good with either one. Ben Powers, yeah. Uh, but one of those guys who plays well with others. Ben Powers is, a, I think... I think those Oklahoma guards are both going to go a lot higher than than. Um, I think they're both day three guys, but it's going to be right. probably like round five for both of them. I think, and you, it's like a choose your own adventure. Yeah, they're both they're both the Simia and Powers are both pretty good. They're very different, and they were both part of a really good offensive line. That it's very difficult to separate out exactly who is 
doing, doing all the work yeah. because they all played really well together and they were well coached and they all played together for multiple years so they knew each other really well like it's it's a they all are they all came out this year ford powers uh samia like they're all they're all in the draft so yeah oklahoma might be a mess next year i was thinking about this the other day like they lost murray but then they get they get the quarterback transfer in from alabama so maybe they'll be fine yeah we'll um, see i mean that's that's rough they lost like most of their offensive line though okay so Kevin ended up with Nasir Adderley, Zach Allen, Justin Lane, Miles Boykin, Daniel Wise, Alex Burrs. I think this is a good draft, Kevin. I think that would be awesome. Right? Yeah. I think... Um, Again, I didn't address offense as well as uh, very well. That was the no. thing I chose to neglect. Yeah, you, you just decided offense no go. But the secondary players are great. Adderley would be awesome in a Seahawks uniform. I'm fully confident. And Zach Allen, like I said, I just love the tape. I love guys that do things, and he does things. He does a thing. He, he, kill, he sets the edge. He's really good against the run. Um yeah, I'm into it. All right, Eric, did you do any pick, specific picks or no? No, no, no. That's right. that's too far for me out of the first round. Um, so I guess for those two position or for those three types of things, that wide receiver guard combo or pass catcher and guard combo, um, we need probably two pieces for depth on the D line. We need a safety, a and, a safety and a corner. Which which, which is, what what do you value and what guys do you two, want there? Because you can really address two of those really well, like Kevin said, and then you can throw a couple darts on the other one. So and which maybe one, you hit. Which two would you like to be like the ones that you like? I'm getting a solid guy for those two spots. I really like Kevin's draft. I mean, honestly, for com- I kind of figured you were going to ask me which draft I like better. Oh, I would. I think they're that's, both good. That's usually what we do, and I like both of your draft. Um, I probably lean towards Kevin's draft. Uh, I think it might be a little. Uh, I don't know if all those guys are going to be there. I would really like to see a a number one corner and a and a and an edge that. A guy who sets the edge, who can protect against the run and offer some pass rush, that's good enough for me. I really, really think we need to go offensive line on this just a little bit more, and neither one of these drafts just address that. Hey, we we both picked a guard. I went a little higher than Kevin. I want a tackle. You want think, a tackle. Not, I think that not that a project round, tackle like I picked? You no, want like a real I, tackle? I, I want someone who can start. <laughs> so in my opinion, I think Jamarco Jones showed something and then got hurt and everyone forgot about him. And George Fant. And people are kind of all star tight end George. Yeah. I feel like those two players can push at tackle, which is why I valued it less. Okay. And that's fair. I and I wondered, Nate, was that kind of your logic too? Uh-huh. Was we have some guys there, but we basically have zero people behind. We have our no two guards. guards. I feel like I have to put a good. We have a like good, two and a half guards. I have to put a chip at guard. Like I have to put pick a guy that I think could be like a rotation guard on day one. And that's the thing about Dieter is like he's ready to play. He might not ever be like the best guard in the NFL or even like a pro bowl or anything, but he's ready to play tomorrow. That's I think both of our logic is these are guys who are well coached in college Mm -hmm. who aren't going to be pro bowlers, but like when they step in, they're not going to pee down their leg, step on Russell Wilson's foot and uh, ruin (laughs) an entire playoff game. Uh, Good call, Kevin. No, I, I like the, uh, I mean, little Jordan Humphrey, it's a soft spot for Nathan. But the, the plus receiver that we can get in this draft would be something that I think we're going to see as well. I really seeing us being a little more offensive in this draft than we think. Um, I, I think I think they're definitely picking a wide receiver. That's like my my my. Super I'm saying hot take. before the end of the third round, we're picking a wide receiver. I completely. I agree. can see that, and it also depends on the trades that we make. And like, that's it's got to be coming, right? I mean, there I would be shocked. shocked. I, I loved, honestly, though, I think the reason why I, I lean towards Kevin's draft is I really loved your pick at the end of the first. Oh, do you like uh, Nasir Adderley? I do, and I, I just like the idea of what it can give to us. And it's so hard to get that single high safety. 
I think that's something we all kind of what I really want is I think big fat guy I want the big fat guy resurgence. You know, like I miss the the days where you could put a big fat guy in the middle of your offensive line like a friggin' giant oh, like Dexter Lawrence. Somebody none and, of us talked about that we all love, by the way, is Jerry Tillery. Oh yeah, Jerry could, Tillery's if, dope. if I think if Dexter Lawrence if I were to say Nathan Dexter Lawrence was picked, Nathan but would you, go, Was Jerry Tillery there? Yeah, if you can Because I'll take me some Jerry Tillery. Yeah, I would take Jerry Tillery. In I might heartbeat. Even take, Nathan yeah. wants the return of Vince Wilfork and Mike Allstott on the you offensive exa- line. No, you are exactly right about Vince Wilfork. <laughs> That's a, and that thing is that Dexter Lawrence says he might be Vince Wilfork. Like he He's really quick. That would be he's, awesome. He's sudden in that in that way, and that's kind of like when I that's see Sam Adams. Was. When I see him falling down everyone else's draft boards, I'm like, what are you guys watching? That I'm. What are you guys seeing that I'm not? Because I don't. Is it just that you really think that a 340 pound guy doesn't play on Sundays anymore? Like it just doesn't work? Because that's the only thing I can think of. That guy is, an, he's insane. There are yeah. trends in the draft where you know people go on runs on things. There's also a trend in belief, and that could very well be a thing. Remember, like all of a sudden. Fullbacks weren't a thing. Blocking tight ends weren't a thing. Now it could be like giant fat guys are no longer a thing. And the the reason why I want that single high safety is because of our conversation last week, which is you can manufacture pass rush, but you can't really manufacture coverage. Well, Pete Carroll with a guy who can cover like the earth has figured out how to manufacture coverage because Earl Thomas made you feel like every deep receiver was kind of covered. Yeah, and there are two dudes I trust in this draft to be able to give you that feeling, and I want one of them badly. And there's a couple free agents that will not affect our comp picks that we we brought in, or one guy that will affect a comp pick that I could see assigning him. But I I think we I think we'll be okay if we don't address the defensive line as heavily as maybe we think. I think so. You're saying they, we just need the rotation. We don't necessarily need huge talent in there. Yeah, unless you can get that guy in the middle we talked about. Right. If, if you can get that, but again, there's there's f- probably four big positions we need filled, and we're only going to get two, two and a half of those players. Right. I think the other thing we can all agree on is uh, we need really a disruptive three tech or a pass rushing D end. We don't necessarily need both. We just need one more pass rush piece. Another thing for me, too, uh, looking just at, at the draft in general, is we need to pick up probably two guys who actually, two or three guys who actually slot into the rotation. Yep. We can't we can't have like a draft where it takes a year to develop everyone or we will miss the playoffs. So for me, like we need to get two or three guys who are either like close to finished products who are instantly ready to go or guy, we, if we pick too many projects, then that's I think that's that's kind of punting the season a little bit. We need like a Jaron Reed type where you're like, okay, he's definitely a first and second down defensive tackle, but the invo- the third down might evolve. He's involved right away though, like he's yeah. instantly involved with the team. Like you see a role, good. and he might be able to step up into a bigger role, but we don't want like a Rasheem Green right. situation where he just wasn't ready. Yeah, like Shaq Griffin. And that Rasheem Green is a good example of someone who is sitting on a roster right now who could make the leap and fill in one of these spots that we need. Right? Like we yep. all say we need a pass rusher. If Rasheem Green makes the jump this year, well, we didn't we didn't have to do anything. We, he was already on our roster, so that I thought he was going to be a little better than he was last year. Oh my gosh, a, li- a little! <laughs> I thought he, I mean he was not. Uh, he was just not there, especially given given the preseason. I was like, this guy's going to be great. I like his tools, but he just couldn't handle it in game. The other thing is Naz Jones is a little bit of a question mark right now. Naz Jones could be more of a factor next year. And if he is, that makes me feel way better. If he's the same player he was this year, that's a that's that's a little bit rough. 
All right, let's um. By the way, Kevin, at thirty-seven, it was really hard for me not to say Hollywood Brown. Uh, okay, oh. <laughs> I was like, I was like, you know what? I'll just pick. I'll just slot him in. Let's just do it. Here, I, here's the thing: that's, Hollywood Brown that, might not be the best pick for us, but that, I would be happy to see the, him all day every it's day. It's the home run. It's the home run oh. pick, or it's the strikeout. I don't know which one or the other. Okay. No, he's gonna be really good in the NFL. There's no question about that. I I think he's Deshaun Jackson or more. All right, let's give a let's give our shout out to our patrons who support the Seahawks Nest podcast by heading, heading over to patreoncom Nest. and they get to uh, they get to, they get the link to watch movies with us. Uh, we watch on Sundays usually, though not this Sunday. You'll hear why in just a sec. Um, that but they uh, they also get to join us. Uh, our here are here are NFL picks during the season. Last year we picked better than every ESPN.com quote unquote expert killed them. Uh, me and Kevin came in basically tied. Uh, I don't remember who won. And then Eric was like only like three behind. Opposite. It was you and Eric were basically tied. Yeah. And I was oh. about two three behind. Okay. It was like two behind. It yeah. was last year that I came back with the monomy to come back and beat everyone. Yeah, I think I like punted week 17. I like overthought it. The team's resting players thing. Because I was like way ahead <laughs> all season. Okay. Uh, thanks thanks to Forrest, Tom, Lucas, Kerry, Bob, Chuckatilla, Kieran, Brett, Mike, Hi, David, Keith, Arthur, Frank, Michelle, Nick. You guys are awesome. You help us out. Everyone else who's on the Patreon too, you guys are you guys are killing it. Um, and uh, we're recording on Sunday because I'm going to Austin, Texas for spring break this week. And uh, today, later today, in about 42 minutes, uh, WrestleMania happens. And I thought it'd be fun if we all have been wrestling fans at some point in our life. And I thought it'd be fun to talk about uh, some of our favorite like wrestling moments as our movie club this week. So Eric, I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let you bat lead off this time. Ooh. Uh, and tell me, like, what are what are what's your favorite like all time favorite? You can go moment, match, uh, event. Uh, you can even talk. You said you came in here saying last, last night was one of your all time favorites, or Friday night. Sorry, yeah, Friday night. Uh, so you can even go there if you want. I'm I'm into it. There's a lot for me. Um, okay, I'll give you a few just quick hits. Classic matchup. We're gonna go uh, Rick Rude versus Ultimate Warrior. A lot of people say the Ultimate Warrior can't wrestle. That's true. And it's probably true. <laughs> but uh, he wrestled a drug addiction really well. Ooh, I don't Sorry. Th- I don't think he, he wrestled that at all, Kevin. I just think it took over. <laughs> he just gave in. Um, no, uh, Rick Rude was one of my favorites. And that guy, uh, I don't know if he could carry a match, but he could entertain. And that's really what wrestling is because uh, Lord knows it's not real. Then I skip. It's real, like Game of Thrones is real. I hate when people say it's not real. Like, I mean, Game of Thrones isn't real either, but it's also it's theater. But it's, it's with, theater. It's, with, it's uh, physical theater. It's performance know, art, like chairs and rings. It's, it's a like soap Cirque du Soleil. Opera. Cirque du Soleil, but not as sexual, or is it? Or sometimes as sexual. Yeah. Uh, speaking of sexual, I miss the Attitude Era, and I'm kind of glad about that. I'll, I'll say this though: back on uh, in January of 2015, for my birthday. Nathan was like, oh, you're not doing anything for your birthday. You should come over and watch the Royal Rumble. And I think he was asking me to do this like for like three years. I was like, all right, I'll come over and watch it. And I really enjoyed myself. And then I think for like, it took me like six weeks after that. But then I just turned on Raw. And then it just kind of started turning on Raw every Monday. And I started liking wrestling again. And have you been watching SmackDown? No, because we record during that time. Okay, because I was gonna say SmackDown has been like yeah. Everyone tells me how good SmackDown is, but when we record on on a different day, like this Tuesday, I'll watch SmackDown. Um, I will say on Friday's match, there is a developmental league for the WWE called NXT, and those people that have stuck around that don't listen to wrestling, it's probably not for you. But 
there was a match on Friday, NXT TakeOver, involving uh, Adam Cole, who is like if Shawn Michaels and Dolph Ziggler had a baby. And then the baby was really small. And the baby was really small. Because <laughs> he's, he's pretty short. Uh, versus uh, Johnny Gargano, who, I don't know, he looks like if Fivel from An American Tale was a wrestler. <laughs> so he's Fourvel. Yeah. He's Fourvel. Uh, Stabby little guy. Yeah, exactly. They just they put on a very entertaining match that you, you know, where the guy's always kicking out at three, the, the near fall. There must have been like 50 of these. And every time I was like, okay, that was a really great match. And then the match didn't end until it finally did. And it was, uh, I don't know, Nathan wasn't invested in it. I never watch NXT, but I watch NXT takeovers. And I was invested in this match. I thought it was really great. And uh, I don't know, I could, I'm more into the characters than the matches, but I am really into tonight's card. I think it's going to be a, a good time. Yeah, my my thing is just like, there's just like one, I don't really care about Gargano, but I thought the match was really well, well booked. They did a good job and it was cool kind of watching um, Adam Cole get increasingly desperate as he couldn't figure out how he was going to be. I think those, uh, uh, the, the shock to the system guys came out, three of them. Yeah, Undisputed the, Era. Yeah, Undisputed Era, thank you. The the ref then, of course, got, oh, my eyes, like, I'm going to, I'm going to get knocked out or something. And they beat the hell out of Gargano and then they push the ref back in and the match is still not over. It was, I was, I was impressed with it. I, it takes a lot to impress me during a match unless it's, uh, you know, someone, uh, doing a crazy RKO or Shane McMahon jumping off a skyscraper. Kevin, what do you, what do you, what are you thinking right now? All right. I'm going to, um, talk about my favorite thing in wrestling. Uh, Nathan, you might remember this. What is my favorite wrestling pay-per-view and favorite wrestling event? You, Wait, I know what like, this is. You like Royal Rumble, right? Yeah? Okay. It is the Royal Rumble. Okay. Mine too, Kevin. Uh, I have always been a big fan of the Royal Rumble, so I'm going to talk about Royal Rumble 1993. So this is the one Yokozuna won, and this is the first Royal Rumble where the stipulation was added that the winner of the Rumble got the uh, WWF championship match at WrestleMania. Because before it was just a cool thing where your yeah, favorite wrestlers were in a ring. yeah. And so uh, this one just had a lot of different things going on. It had uh, The Undertaker came in. This is where uh, Giant Gonzalez came in and introduced a feud there. Um, there was a big blend of like the late 80s early 90s wrestlers with the wrestlers that were going to carry you into the attitude era so um like randy savage and uh uh rick flair and the natural disasters were all in this match but so were wrestlers like uh, the Undertaker. How did the ring hold up? Jeez Louise. Uh, the ring held up pretty well considering there were some humongous individuals here. And uh, Randy Savage came in and was eliminated at the very end by uh, Yokozuna, which was a really interesting um, completion to the match. The other thing was the Yokozuna match was one of the few times where they recognized the fact that eliminating a very large individual is very hard when you have to put them over the top rope. And that's a storyline that often gets ignored for the purposes of theater. And I remember at the time, you know, with him being this big sumo wrestler, you were always like, how is anyone going to pick him up? How is anyone going to make this happen? And so them using that was appreciated just in general, this is a, this was a particularly notable Royal Rumble for me, 
out of many that I enjoyed. Um, since that's kind of cheating because it's not really a match, then I mean the, it's kind of a match. The other it's one I go with it. for a more traditional answer would probably be the uh, the renowned um, first Hell in the Cell, the Undertaker Mankind with uh, being thrown off the cell and for as um, for as much as that was a product of its time and for as much as I don't support that kind of wrestling for what it does to the people who are doing it um, and what it does to their health, the fact is that the match was filmed, it did happen, and that's one that... It's still unbelievable still to watch. ...still sticks out in my mind, and you watch it, and you're... For a match that could have felt like it dragged, it didn't feel like it dragged that much. Alright, um... Nathan, my fair thing about going. My fair thing about wrestling is its ability to surprise you. Um, the ability to uh, subvert your expectations. Um, the fact that uh, even though it's, you know, the, 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 it, it's it's... Just anything can happen, kind of, when you're watching wrestling. So, um, um, when I was in three years ago, four four years ago, uh, WrestleMania 31, uh, Santa Clara, California, I went to it, and it's the only WrestleMania I've been to. I didn't go to the one in Seattle. I went to the one in California. Uh, and uh, at the end of the event, um, Brock Lesnar's fighting against Roman Reigns, and uh, it's like it's a pretty good match. Everyone's booing the hell out of Roman Reigns because that's what we did back then, and everyone's like cheering for Brock Lesnar every time he does a does a uh, a suplex and going crazy and stuff and then there's a lot of blood uh, in this match at this yeah, point it's, it's going crazy like the, the match is super physical it's really entertaining and then uh seth rollins comes out with his uh, money in the bank briefcase and joins the match makes it a triple threat and wins the title and it was like completely shocking like it was it's because he'd lost total, earlier in the night right? totally unexpected yeah he lost to randy orton earlier in the night like he, he and it, it just been it's it was like in, in a really crazy way too the way he lost to randy orton he went to do his like signature move the the curb stomp or i don't know what they call it now they call it something different but uh he he when he went to do it randy orton jumped up and he like flew up in the air like like he jumped up on so his leg couldn't push him down and then did the rko while he was flying through the air it was really crazy and then randy orton um, uh one of the best physical wrestlers but he has the in-ring personality of a banana nope. he just has no motivation <laughs> he has no motivation to to be the best he just he's fine with being good and okay good for him i guess um the um the, but yeah, then that match uh, was really that was really awesome, and it really spurred my expectations. And I thought it was really fun, uh, and you know that that was a really cool experience for me. And I just like live wrestling, so like um, I also would suggest to anyone in the Pacific Northwest area who likes wrestling, uh, check out Defy North Defy DefyWrestling.com. It's a cool way to go watch live wrestling. It's a like fun time with your friends. Uh, bring bring some buddies, drink some beers, uh, watch some watch some live wrestling. It's very loud in there, and uh, it's very awesome. And a cheer for classic Chun. That's that's my tip. If you go, <laughs> he's local. He's our he's our boy. That's our that's our favorite son. Uh, to piggyback on what you're saying, for people who might be in my situation, which is I stopped watching wrestling a, a number of years ago. WWE was no longer interesting to me, uh, and the way that the product was being done didn't appeal. But live wrestling is kind of like live baseball. It's completely different than watching it on TV. Uh, the atmosphere pulls you in pretty well, and I've enjoyed going to a few Defy events. So, if you enjoy just a unique experience, it could be something really fun. Yeah, there's nothing quite like it. And the next event should be fun, the May one. Uh, the May Defy has, uh, has you know, Ray Phoenix and uh, Penta, Penta Jr., and it should be, should be awesome. All Defy right. Wrestling, not a sponsor. 
Yeah, not a sponsor. Just yep. just plugging something I enjoy. All right. For Kevin Garber, for Eric Ronnebeck, we will see you next week. Go Hawks. <laughs>